What's up, everybody? Jason with Founders BR. Super excited to share with you today's episode as we sit down with Bill Bush at Horizon Financial Group. He shares a fantastic story of three brothers coming together from rural town, Indiana, to Baton Rouge and forming one of LSU's top 100 fastest growing organizations for multiple years running. An incredible journey from being a CEO within healthcare to making pivots and using his passion to help spur on the organization and all those he interacts with. Really a fantastic story, fantastic person. I'm really excited to share with you. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Let's check it out. All right. Well, welcome everybody to Founders BR. I'm super excited to share with you today's guest. We have Bill Bush and um, super excited to hear his story. I think everybody's going to enjoy it, but I will pause there. And Bill, if you give an opportunity to let us know a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. First of all, Jason, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's great. Uh, yeah. My name's Bill Bush. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, way back in 1965. Seems like a long, long time ago. So I'm the second oldest of uh, six kids, you know, big family, family of eight. We moved uh, to Indiana when I guess I was in first grade and lived on a farm and a 40 acre farm in Southern Indiana. And that's kind of what, you know, our formative years there was uh, my dad kind of, his vision was to always have a farm. And, and so he kept his regular job, but we became farmers. And so we Learned the ins and outs of doing that, so moved from the suburbs of Louisville to this rural area, and and that uh, that's where we grew up. Uh, so by the time I reached high school, my dad had gone out and got a job in Baton Rouge. That brought our family down here. So we went from a school that literally had fifty kids in it from two towns and in rural Indiana to being back in the city and a big school, four hundred kids. You know, at Bel Air is where I graduated from. And uh, five of the six of us graduated from there uh, here in Baton Rouge. My older brother, Joe, went to Baton Rouge High. And so from there, I always had this uh, aspiration of, uh, you know, performing and and being, uh, you know, TV and radio, broadcasting. That really, you know, kind of stuck in my brain. I was like, that'd be a cool thing to do. And so I studied broadcast journalism at LSU, business, um, minored in business administration, and got my first job in broadcasting uh, in Lafayette right out of uh, right after I graduated in uh, 1987 from LSU. Then went to uh, uh, Alexandria, an ABC affiliate, was opening up their news operation and uh, was hired there and stayed there for quite a while. And uh, from there, I pivoted. That that station actually dropped news. There was a, a movement that was happening in the early 2000s to sort of compress those operations across the country. And it affected us. And so I was kind of forced with a career change, you know. And so I looked at my skills and said, hey, what, what can I do? You know, it was it was really for me a time to figure out, you know, do I want to stay in the broadcasting thing or do I want to venture out and use some of these other skills that I think and know I have? And so pivoted off of there and got into marketing and then into healthcare marketing. And that's eventually how I got into healthcare administration. I became a CEO of a hospital uh, and did that uh, for about eight or nine years, you know, at two different facilities. And that was very rewarding in, uh, in the sense that, you know, I got to, to run and operate a business and, you know, interact with patients and a big staff and all that. And so for me to go from a broadcaster to a CEO in the hospital sounded pretty far-fetched if you would have said that uh, many years prior. It, it happened and it was a progression and uh, certainly a, a rewarding part of my career. Now, what happened then was my brothers. They had 
formed this company, Horizon, that we're sitting in now. And they said, man, we're building something really unique and it's growing and we feel your skills and, and your mindset can help us out and we want you to be a part of it. And that conversation went on for probably a year, year and a half. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds interesting, but I've kind of got a really good gig going up here and you know, uh, the, the boat is not rocking and, right. and all that. And it, you know, finally, just after several times, just having discussions, how, how would it work? What would it look like? Um, it seemed like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. So I moved the family from Alexandria, uh, to Baton Rouge. And that's been about five and a half, six years now. And so now I'm part of the horizon story and, uh, I've come on with, uh, my brothers, Pete and Andy, I uh, got licensed and certified and uh, I've done a lot of uh, designations for retirement plans. And so, yeah, that's the quick down and dirty of the Bill Bush career. I love it. And, I, and you know, I was so excited to have this because it's it's interesting when you look at the journey that you shared. There's two pivotal changes that I see. Mm-hmm. So you, you come out, you're in journalism, mm-hmm. you have a passion, clearly – You've done it's. It's still a major driver, and, and <laughs> it is. you can't. No one on here can see, but we're the setup here is incredible. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you make it. You, you're in journalism, and you decide to make a big change, and you go into in healthcare, into mm-hmm. an hospital. Tell me about what that was like mentally, having to make that change. What, you know, what the fear or maybe the anxiety or what kind of sparked it. How what was that like making that decision? Well, certainly some unknowns, you know, um, it's like venturing into an area where, gosh, you know, I don't know this business. I know kind of just healthcare from being a patient, you know, basically, but, uh, learning the ins and outs of that. My sister was working for a home healthcare company at the time. And, uh, so knew she, you know, she was a nurse and kind of familiar with that end of it. But on the marketing side, it really, in my mind, I kind of boiled it down to, hey, this is just, you know, relating to people Mm. and spreading the message. And by the way, you've done that as a broadcaster. You know, you've taken the the day's news, or in my case, sports, and you boiled it down into something understandable and relatable, hopefully for the audience. So I took the, you know, kind of what I'd learned in the past and pivoted that and changed it to make it fit and to sort of prop up what I knew and maybe just taking a look from an outsider's point of view of marketing, you know, for a healthcare organization. And some of that marketing really was to physicians. So, you know, it's, it's looking for referrals for a home health company or then a hospital and then managing that marketing staff. And so I also felt just based on, you know, some of my skills that I really didn't get to use Mm -hmm. in, in the broadcasting world, Uh, I mentioned I monitored in business administration, that gave me some insight into this, you know, this is a numbers business. There are financials involved in that. And I got to use those resources and Mm -hmm. skills a little more too. Yeah. So then I think what's another interesting point is, so then you, you, you get to use those skills you develop, you have this, you know, you kind of get these different angles and you get to the, really what I guess most people would consider is the pinnacle of, of business, which is a CEO. So you're, you're doing, you're doing very well. And then you get approached on another pivot. And that's joining your brothers and with Horizon. And tell me about that journey and what that was like and making, deciding to take that that change there. Yeah, and that was, you know, one not taken lightly. I was about yeah. to turn 50. And usually, you know, making a career change at 50, I don't, it's probably not done a lot. I mean, I'm sure it's done, but maybe that's not the most common thing because by that time you're probably established into whatever you've been into in the prior years. But I did, I did like the aspect of, 
we see something in you that can help us. Mm-hmm. And we see you fitting in to this growing and bigger picture. And it gets you back home around us to interact and be more of this family, which those are all three really good uh, boxes to check. Yeah. And I think because I'd had the earlier pivot, right, it made it less fearful because, okay, I have done a career change once before. Right. You know, it was several years back, but it worked out pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the other thing is, it, it is my brother's, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can have pretty intimate conversations about, hey, man, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I need, right. you know, to make this happen. And so it all added up, and 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 thankfully so. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, you said once you've made that first change, I think the second becomes easier. Mm. But once you've, once you've stepped out into the unknown and, and recognized that, hey, I can come out of that, and yeah. if anything, I might come out better. I think that it's it's the second and third become increasingly easier, and it's about taking that first step. Oh, for sure. And I mean, look, you take that step off the cliff, and you might get scratched along the way down, but eventually you rise back up. Those those little things heal, but you learn from them, and and certainly you got to be a little fearless, of course. And uh, that's what it took for mm-hmm. sure. And, and you know, the other thing was to convince my family mm-hmm. that this is going to be a good thing in the long run. You know that that it's going to be painful up front. There is, you, you hate to, and one of the most painful things for me was pulling my daughter away from all her friends mm. at a fairly tender age. She's in grade school and mm. th- doesn't know what, you know, what it means to be ripped from that. But at the same time, I was 14 when we moved from the farm to Baton Rouge. Right. And by the way, that was an immense, opened up great doors for our family. Right. You know, uh, uh, immense opportunities we probably wouldn't have had in in the rural setting we were in. And so I knew from my own experience, this is going to be good for her, but there are, it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Same thing for my wife, you know. And so mm-hmm. to convince them that, yeah, I think this is going to be the right thing to do, you know, they were on board, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, a little painful for my daughter, probably more than anything. Yeah. You know, you're talking about that. It's, it's you know, I have, so I have, we talked before, I have my, my seven-year-old and four-year-old and, and, and my wife and any decision that I make is never alone. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, uh, and, and recognizing all that. But then I think it's, it's using your own unique perspective to recognize the story of, of coming from rural Indiana to Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and then all the opportunities that have come from that while it was probably difficult, or maybe there would have been some challenges in making yeah. that change for sure. But then it's seeing, well, look, look at what the, but the horizon is literally well, yeah, of yeah. what it what it brings. Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I remember moving from Indiana and being adamant that I didn't want to do it. I was fourteen, you know, and it's like <laughs> right. uh, this this you know uh, is not a good thing. But mm-hmm. in retrospect, it was a great thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I know that my daughter now feels like I'm glad we did this. Yeah, you know, I really do. She's yeah. settled in into a, a great school with g- good friends all around her, and mm-hmm. those things work out. But it doesn't make it easy initially. Right. Absolutely. Well, I I want to, on that point then, kind of talk about, you know, Horizon's journey. So you, you obviously, you make the change and and there's been tons of success that we've seen, but I want to kind of go back Mm -hmm. and look at what, you know, what was, what was Horizon when it first started? Because I know Mm -hmm. recently you've got recognition fastest, you know, fastest growing multiple years. And, you know, obviously what was it that you think going back that, was there a drumbeat? Was there something that said, this is what we're about that allowed it to kind of get that trajectory that you got put on? 
Yeah, that's great. And this all doesn't happen if it wasn't for both of my brothers, but in particular, Pete, because mm-hmm. Horizon was definitely born out of his career, uh, which started as a financial advisor probably 28, 29 years ago now. And he was in, um, you know, in a, a different operation then. But out of that was built an organization called uh, Saxon Bush Davis. And then that morphed into ownership changes, which eventually became Horizon. Mm. And so as he built that, he surrounded himself with really good people. He's He's got a couple of one of the owners, Brooke, Brooke Gotro, who's a who's an owner, she's been with him for 18 years, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. while she was in college, started working with him. And, mm-hmm. and you know, surround yourself with good people. But his work ethic and his dream, and I'll say even his coaching, mm-hmm. has helped develop this. Because what Pete got that, that maybe I didn't, wasn't exposed to, or even Andy, was Pete played baseball at LSU. Okay. Um, and at that time, Skip Bertman was just coming on board. Pete graduated high school in 85. Skip had started here in 84. If you know anything about Skip Bertman, you know what a master motivator he is. Absolutely. And um, his success on the diamond is really unrivaled in the the stretch that he did what he did. Mm -hmm. And so Pete not only got the education of going through LSU, but he was surrounded by the Yoda of college baseball. No question. In, in, In terms of, you know, the mental game, mm. right? And uh, the preparation and the behavior behind that. And so I think that was a great foundation to to transfer into a business. And Skip has coached a lot of players over the years, mm. but you can see success stories up and down, you know, the roster if you go year by year because they were affected by his teachings, his style. Mm. And um, so certainly Pete was a benefit benefactor of that. And uh He'll bring out those, you know, skipisms every once in a while in a staff meeting. But then uh, he brought Andy in. Andy got to join the organization, really put the stake in the ground mm-hmm. on retirement plans. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a good time to say that Horizon really does four things. Mm-hmm. We do uh, individual wealth management or what we do, financial planning. You know, Pete's a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. We have mm-hmm. three CFPs on staff. So that's wealth management, the planning side of that, but also investment management. Andy and I work chiefly in the 401k division or retirement plans division. We service about 70 company retirement plans throughout the state of Louisiana and even beyond the the borders there. But um, that's where we do most of our work. And then we have an up and coming platform called Simpla Finance, which is foundational family plan of finance, <laughs> foundational financial planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is we actually have an advisor network that has some 60 advisors throughout the country that plug into us for back office support and compliance. Mm. And those advisors located in Florida and Washington State and Ohio and Maryland, you know, they make up that network and we coach and help them along with their business. And so that's who Horizon is. So when Andy came along, they really put their stake in the ground on the retirement plans. Didn't have many. Pete kind of dabbled in that. And then now we've become one of the bigger operations that handles those type of things in in Baton Rouge. Amazing, I love it. So if you were to if you were to look at now, you've obviously you've reached this kind of this this pinnacle within the organization. If you were to if we were to have this conversation three years from now, and we look back on the conversation today, what would make you get excited and jump up and for joy and and uh, say, hey, we, we accomplished what we were looking to yeah, accomplish? Yeah, and and I love this question because this is a question we ask in our 
financial planning process. Okay. And the reason I love this question is because it is looking into the future, but it's not looking so far into the future where you can't get your grasp on it. 36 right. months from now, you can make progress. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a, a goal that you think, that's not way far out. I know I can reach something by then. Right. So three years from now, you know, on a personal level, my daughter will be graduating high school. Mm-hmm. So that gives me the goal in the next three years. I'm in the home stretch of saving for college. Love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and certainly that's been part of my personal plan. On the business plan, as Andy and I look at what the 401k division is, is mostly that's where I deal with, although we both have individual clients that we deal with. You know, we've doubled in the last five years in terms of, you know, the plans and the number of employees that we're servicing. Three years to double might be a little ambitious, but I could certainly see us being somewhere in the, hey, we're knocking on 100 plans now. Again, because that is part of our charge that we have taken that seriously. We've got the uh, uh, the specialties, the certifications, designations to do that and do that well. We've got a team here that can support that. So we are in growth mode. We could even do that by acquisition and even get bigger. I don't want to put a, a ceiling on that, mm. but I would say, you know, within the next three years, I could see us being knocking on the door of 100, you know? Amazing. I love it. Yeah. You have a lot of um, amazing, just within the brothers, a lot of brain <laughs> capital. We were talking about Germany. We were talking hey. about everything that is uh, that is with the um, with the Bush brothers. But ha- I, I want to ask you if you, and you can even use your own brothers, but is, is there a specific mentor, person that you've really drawn a ton of inspiration that kind of has guided you in life? There have been a, a couple just because of, as I've changed careers, you mm-hmm. know, uh, early on, I, I was fortunate enough to intern at WAFB and Steve Schneider was the the fellow who uh, was doing sports and it still is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I considered him a great mentor as I went out and established that part of my career. When I think of healthcare, there were some some great folks uh, worked at Health South and then Riverside. You know, Kemp Wright and Mark uh, Kemp Wright and Mark Rice were two fellows that certainly helped me along the way there. My brothers, of course, have been instrumental mentors here just to make this happen for me. I think as our organization looks, you know, does strategic coach, you know, so Dan Sullivan, which he is able to implement a lot of the processes and think capital behind that. And then also we look at, you know, folks in our industry like Nick Murray is is, is a classic one who's who's published a lot of books and resources. And, you know, it's it's all about how to service clients. So those are some that come to mind for sure. Mm, I love it. You could have three books. You mentioned Nick Murray. Mm. What are what are three books you'd recommend? Yeah, Nick Murray's got a good one uh, around the year that we all enjoy up here. And it's basically, you can digest it on a daily basis if you want. It's just different uh, strategies and talking points, thinking points of how to deal with clients and situations. That's a, that's a good one. The one personally for me that I, I read several years ago was The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. And um, I've actually latched onto a couple of his other books lately. But I'm intrigued by the name alone. Yeah, that that really has to do with your internal artist. And so one of the things I didn't mention is I've actually written six musicals. I was involved in a children's theater group up in Alexandria. We needed some original content. And so me not being shy to try to get something out, along with a a partner that as a, she does a great job of composing music. We teamed up together and wrote these musicals. Wow. That are, some of them are still performed now up there. So that's been an awesome outlet, creative outlet. But this war of art is really about 
getting those type of projects out of your body mm-hmm. and overcoming resistance because no matter what endeavor you undertake, there's resistance internally in some level. Well, I'll get to that later or I'll. So he came up with a system. He's a book writer and script writer and all that. He came up with a system to sort of make that happen. The war of art is because there is an internal war going on between you wanting to express yourself and getting those projects out and actually making it happen. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's his latest one. I just got it, and I actually ordered the physical book is Turning Pro, and it's a much smaller, smaller book. It's easy to, to probably read in a day or two. But, again, to reinforce some of that thinking, uh, that would be another one. And wow. then on the personal level, to be mm-hmm. quite honest, and this isn't professional level at all stuff, but I'm 55 now. And so as you age and health becomes a concern, as we talked about in a different podcast, sure. right? right. Um, is uh, I read the obesity code and uh, kind of keto reset, which is all just, you know, hey, food is turns out to be 90 to 95% of the problem for most people. And so I'm, I'm trying to make some strides there. And that, those have been real helpful, you know, as I get into those, gosh, mid-50s. Uh-huh. I love the suggestions. And honestly, I haven't heard, I've heard a lot of book recommendations in my time. And I haven't heard any of these. And when you, even when you said War of Art, I was like, I think you got it backwards. No. Is it Art of War by Sun Tzu? <laughs> it's like, I've heard that one a bunch of times. Yeah. And um that is so, uh, I, I'm like, literally, that's gonna be the next book that I go get. I'm, I'm a creator as well. I love yeah. that side. And um, I think everybody's got an aspect of that. And mm-hmm. it's then, how do we how do we express that? How do we get that? How do we execute it in our daily lives? And yeah. a lot of times it gets tabled. And um, I think that's a, such an interesting concept of what you shared. Yeah, he had a, he actually did a audio book of his just a week ago. It's mm-hmm. called Do the Work. Again, mm-hmm. a much shorter condensed piece so that was a, you know, I'm going to go take a long walk a couple of days in a row and digest that. And that's a, It kind of reinforces what's in the, the, the war of art. Love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been fantastic, Shares. I want to do, I want to wrap with, um, this is some fun questions. Oh, so good. we're going to go rapid fire. Let's do it. Um, so I'm going to shoot here with you. Uh, so starting off first, what purchase of $100 or less has most possibly impacted your life in the last six oh, months? Oh, this one's gold. <laughs> I got a, it's a headband flashlight. Okay. For about 30 bucks. And I'm a tinker. You know, I like to do little projects out in the shop or whatever, or work on a computer or whatever. This thing is life-changing. It's the LED. You click it, it and you look like a geek. I love it. But it has saved me so many times. You don't have to pick up your flashlight and do it. You have both use of both hands. You can work on the car. You can hands-free. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. Look, it's rechargeable holiday. too, by the way. Come on. Look, yeah. see that for those on a budget, we're you're 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 right in time for the holidays. <laughs> exactly. So we got it. I would highly recommend hands-free. Yeah. Life-changing. All right. Uh, what's an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? This is an interesting question. Mm. Some that's a tough question. I don't even know if I have an answer for it. <laughs> Uh, here, okay, a thing that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be r- right around the time we're brought, uh, you know, we're recording this is around the holidays, and so there is a very peculiar, unique thing out there called Beatles tribute bands. Okay, and I've come across two of them that have Christmas albums or recordings, and basically what they've done is they've taken Beatles. Uh, songs and turned them into Christmas songs, and they kind of sound like the Beatles. I love but, it. Uh, yeah, so that's a quirky little thing I'm into <laughs> this time of year. I put those on, play them around. You know, everybody better get used to it. Look, this yeah. is what, this is my this is my holiday tradition. Y'all yeah. get on board. And, and thankfully, my wife is a Beatles fan, so she loves it. It's quirky, but hey, 
I love it. I love it. All right. So on music then, what's your walking to the plate song, your hype oh, up song? Yeah. Well, and and this would be going back to the movie The Natural. So this isn't going to be the rap songs you hear now or the hard driving <laughs> thing. It's it's that theme. I mean, if yeah. you play oh, yeah. that while you walk up, I'm left-handed and always wore number nine, which is Roy Hobbs, Get number nine, left-handed. If you played that while you're walking up to the plate, I think the pitcher might shake in his boots a little bit. <laughs> so if he saw a left-handed number nine. Oh, man, that's it. It's with, over. He's, yeah. You're getting walked. And I believe He's Rand not even pitching to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, whatever helps the team, right? <laughs> right. But uh, Randy Newman, I believe, is the composer on that. But it's I just powerful. Bah, 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 bah. I love Randy Newman. Yeah. Um, fantastic. I love it. So final question. Best place to get a cup of joe, best business lunch, favorite dinner spot? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I didn't drink coffee at all till about two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Kind of got on this health thing. I had a heart issue five years ago, mm -hmm. and then I started reading more about, oh, you need to drink more coffee. So I really don't have a favorite place, but I will give a pitch for my wife's, which okay. is Lighthouse Coffee. Okay. She goes there quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I usually drink some at home and at work, but... Uh, as far as favorite maybe business lunch place, hey, we're, we have a great location here. You know, we're mm. off of Perkins and Segan. There's a lot of options. Jay oh, yeah. Alexander's is a good go-to. Beausoleil, mm. uh, French Bistro Market, you mm -hmm. know, those come to mind for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, favorite place to get a drink, you know, Ben 77's right there at Perkins Row. That's become kind of a, hey, let's meet up for a business meeting, yeah. you know, whatever. And after, I love Ben 77. Yeah, so shout out to them. <laughs> Bill, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you not only sharing your individual story, but the story of the organization. I know that I certainly got a lot from it. I know our audience will probably as well. And and so I um, I just thank you for, for all you're doing and uh, for taking the time. You bet, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed making it. If you can, give us a like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think. And tune in next time as we have another fantastic guest and hope you enjoy your morning, afternoon, evening, wherever I'm catching you. Thank you again.